Hey folks, and welcome to another Blue Light podcast. Uh, this is the place to discover all you need to know about the police recruitment process. I'm Brenda from Blue Light, and over the past several years, I've been coaching and supporting people for the police recruitment process. Uh, a conservative 4,500 people are in the police service as a result of my support over the past several years, something I'm really proud of, that I've had this amazing opportunity to have um, a positive impact in their lives in this way is just something that's so precious to me. And I'm hoping that through these podcasts, I'm going to enable you to succeed and follow in their footsteps and succeed in joining a cadre of the most amazing people you can ever hope to meet. Being a police officer is the most am amazing and the most honourable role you can find, full stop. Okay, I know I'm biased, but why not? But it really is. It's an incredibly honourable position. Um, but it's one that you're not going to get given and handed to you on a silver platter. You're going to have to work towards it. Because only about one in 10 of every uh, individual who applies to join the police actually succeeds. And one of the things I've been working out over the past several years is the difference between success and failure. And that's what we're going to look at in this podcast. I'm not going to look at the actual stages of the recruitment process. That can come later. I'm not going to take a look at what um, entry route you take, whether it's degree holder or police constable degree apprenticeship or any other route, police now, direct entry. There's so many different ways of joining the police. What I'm going to look at in this podcast is the mindset, because the mindset of those people who have been successful versus those people who have failed perhaps the first time, second time, or keep failing is something that is tangible. And it's something that I've noticed over the years um, throughout hundreds and hundreds of people who I contact on a yearly basis, thousands of people actually, but there's a difference that I can spot very early with some of my candidates when I run my seminars, when I do my one-to-one -one coaching sessions, or even in the webinars I run. And the difference is action, obsessive action. This is the thing that makes a difference. Um, those individuals who take massive amounts of obsessive action are the ones who are ultimately going to succeed. What you might have heard people say to you is, oh, you'll make a great police officer. Just act naturally and be yourself at every stage and you'll be fine. Police forces will give you this advice as well. I've heard recruitment officers, inspectors, superintendents say this, and it may work. It may be the case that you've got these innate abilities that are going to enable you to succeed no matter what. And there are people out there who are like that. I get messages on a weekly basis from people who say, I've watched your YouTube videos, I've been on your Facebook group, I've followed all of your advice. I just want to thank you because I've passed, I've got through the recruitment process and uh, I'm sorry I didn't use any of your services. Uh, I didn't pay for any of them, but I succeeded anyway. And you know, I'm absolutely delighted for them. I'm here to enable and support you to have this most amazing career to help you achieve your dream. I just happen to earn a living out of it. So how lucky am I? Um, but anyway, more about that later on, more about each stage of the process, more about the sort of resources that are available for you in later podcasts. So for most people, they do need a little bit of extra support because you may get there anyway, but I'd prefer my candidates to get there first time and get there first time confidently because it is a tough recruitment process. Um, every force has its own unique way of recruiting. Uh, there's 43 Home Office forces out there at the moment, and I'd say that there's 40 different, 43 different ways of applying to join the police. 
Um, on top of that, you've got British Transport Police, Civil Nuclear Constabulary and the Ministry of Defence Police. And they all have their own unique ways of recruiting. So trying to work out this maze of how to join is one thing. And like I said, that'll come in um, further podcasts. But the mindset thing is what I want to focus on this one. So um, I hope she won't mind me saying this. Uh, she can't be identified anyway. But I got a message today on the client-only Facebook group. It went out to every member of that group. Um, and it went from someone who I'll just called M. By the way, if you want to find out more about the Facebook groups, there's two of them. There's one for clients and there's one that's more open, that's for everyone. There's just under 10,000 people in the open one. And it's February 2020 at this moment in time. By my guess, in March, it's going to exceed 10,000. So it's an amazing group. At this moment in time, there's about 300 posts every week and something like getting on for 3,000 um, comments that are made on it. I can't keep up with it, but we've got some great moderators and some great people there who ensure that the group keeps moving in the right direction. It's all about supporting and enabling each other. But I got this message from uh, Megan, and what she said was, it was almost four years since I put pen to paper and started the application process. And she had to delay her first assessment centre because she had the flu. And then she was told by the force um, that even though she'd passed, so she went to the assessment centre eventually, uh, there were only limited spaces and there was no guarantee she was going to be selected. So she then decided to transfer her assessment centre score to another force. And a lot of my clients do that. They'll shop around for the good forces that are recruiting at that time. Um, they don't wait to be, you know, hang around in these holding bays that some forces have. And so she did apply, but by the time she applied and her application was looked at, her assessment centre score had run out. So back then it was uh, valid only for a year. Forces now will make it valid for two years. They change the goalposts all the time. Um, And so she had to go back to the assessment centre again. So she talks about how she got stuck back into my course. Uh, She practised, practised, practised. And she got this amazing score. She scored 68% overall. The pass mark is 50% and she got 81% in working with others. She stormed through. And as a result of that, she's invited to interview. She's been through a vet- medical, she's been through a vetting. And now she has a confirmed start date. And I can tell just from the way she's written her post that she's incredibly, incredibly happy. Now, I know from, I, I remember meeting M at one of the seminars, um, I know that the difference with her compared to those people who are the 9 out of 10 who do not succeed is how obsessive she has been about her mission. She's made joining the police her mission. And this is the difference for successful candidates. These are the people who take action on an almost daily basis and they are obsessive about it because it's their mission. They know exactly why it's important to them to be a police officer. Now, I'll cover that off in a different podcast because that's one of the toughest questions to ask, by the way, is, you know, why do you want to be a police officer? Try answering that one and not coming out with a load of cliches about wanting to put something back into a community or help other people. You need to be able to tell your unique, true and authentic and emotional story. So that's something I'll help you out with in another podcast. But um, M knew exactly why it was important to her to being a police officer. She knew what would that look and feel like. So how many of you who are listening to this now have closed your eyes and imagined what it will be like at your attestation or passing out parade? 
If you haven't, let's do that now. I mean, let's do that. Let's just try it out. So um, this is a really interesting exercise that you can do. And I'd advocate that you do it on a regular basis because your mind doesn't really know the difference between what it imagines to be true and what it actually experiences. So whilst you're listening to me talking now, I'd just like you to close your eyes if you're in a comfortable place. Of course, if you're driving a car or uh, doing something that involves operating something mechanical, riding a bike, please do not close your eyes. But if you're somewhere comfortable, sat on a couch, sat on a tube, wherever it might be, just close your eyes for a moment. And I'd like you to imagine that moment in the future when you're at your passing out parade, wearing your best uniform, you've got your friends, your relatives, your loved ones around you watching proudly. I'd like you to imagine what you would see on the day and see it through your own eyes, not just you seeing yourself, but see it as if you're looking at this through your own eyes. That's right. Do that now and hear what you'd hear around you. And just spend a moment to let that sink in. And as that sinks in, seeing what you'd see around you, hearing those voices around you, especially those loved ones who come to congratulate you after, just start generating what that would feel like. Oh my goodness, what an incredible feeling. I've been to three attestations um, in my time. First time was for Cheshire second time was for the Bermuda police and the third time was for Greater Manchester police. And trust me, these are amazing moments. Of course, I had to attest as a constable for each one of them because I went to a different country in between. These are amazing, incredibly proud moments. So just imagine what that's going to be like. See what you'd see at the time, hear what you'd hear and feel what you'd feel and play it out like a movie and make the picture crystal clear and vivid and bright. Just imagine what people are going to say to you and how that's going to make you feel and capture that moment and do that now. And just keep doing it until it gets so real for you that your mind doesn't know any alternative because now it's got something it can work towards. Now it's got something it can be obsessive about as opposed to you just saying, I want to join the police. I'm hoping to join the police. Even the language people use, I hear them saying things like, I'm hoping to join the police. Well, hope's not going to get you there. What's going to get you there is massive amounts of action and making it your absolute obsession. And it's something I've learned over my three decades as a police officer is if I want to succeed at something, I was absolutely obsessive about it. I can remember I wanted to pass the sergeant's exam. I decided I was going to pass the sergeant's exam and pass it well in my first six months. So I had about a year's service in when I enrolled for the sergeant's exam to do it when I just had just over two years service, which meant I was eligible to sit sergeant's exam. But before then, as soon as I tipped out of training school, I knew I needed to start studying for it. And the way I did this was to pick an offence or pick a part of policing every day. And whilst I was on duty, I'd go and find an example of that. So the amount of people who were being reported for summons over all sorts of spurious offences to do with failing to have chevrons on builder's skips and parking in a way that uh, was the wrong way around at night time and sounding the horn stationary, um, all the sort of traffic offences, but moving towards tachograph offences, operators' licences for traffic type offences and the more crime ones, focusing on some really technical, uh, difficult aspects of criminal law. So if an incident came in on the radio, I'd be the first one to shout out for it. Um, I even got to arrest someone for murder. 
Wow. In my first two years, I got to arrest someone for murder. And I'll tell you about that another time, because it's possibly one of the most stupid things I ever said as a police officer. Uh, remind me, and I'll tell you the story of my great arrest for murder. But I suppose what I'm trying to get over here is the difference was that every day I was taking action, my poor sergeant, Don Blackhurst, he got bombarded with all sorts of reports and offence submissions, uh, process reports. And sometimes he'd just ask me, he'd ask me in his office and say, is this really an offence, Brendan? Because I've never heard of it. But that's how I learned. Because the thing is, I could have read all the documentation about uh, to help prepare you for the sergeant's exam. Um, and that knowledge and understanding is fine because I'd write it down at the same time. And about 10% of what I'd read, I'd remember. If I wrote it down, I'd remember about 60% of it. But here's the difference, folks, because knowledge and understanding is fine, but experience trumps knowledge and understanding every day of the week. And so that's what I'd do. I'd go out and I'd have an experience based on that knowledge and understanding. And if I did that enough times, I knew that I'd remember about 90 to 95% of what I'd learned. And then when it came to the sergeant's exam, I stormed through it. Um, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not embarrassed to say that I came 46th in the country and top in my force with just two years servicing. And that's how I did it because of massive obsessive action. And throughout my career, ever since I worked out that that's the way to achieve. If you want to have this amazing, fulfilling and successful career, then you need to take action. People are not going to hand opportunities to you on a silver platter. And applying to the police is exactly the same. You need to practice, practice, practice what I'm going to show you in these podcasts and some of the techniques and some of the skills that I've picked up over, what is it now? It's got to be over 30 years worth of policing. Um, a lot of that practice, a lot of that, um, the skills I'm going to show you aren't just from the policing world. They're also from the world of um, psychology, when we're looking at uh, the treatment of individuals who might be vulnerable through drug and alcohol addiction problems. So we'll look at motivational interviewing. We're going to look at techniques from neuro-linguistic programming, from John Heron's work, looking at counselling, six-category intervention analysis, Carl Rogers' person-centred counselling, uh, all, all sorts of different theories, uh, the peace interviewing package that the police use. I've taken all of these theories, all of these models, I've practiced all of these things in a policing context and I've taken them all and bundled them up in a way that's going to make absolute sense for you in preparing for the police recruitment process. But I'll go back to that thing that's so important. It's that mission that you need to have, that clear, compelling and concrete vision of what it's going to look like, what you're going to hear around you and what you're going to feel on the day you get presented with your warrant card. That's your mission for this moment in time. After that, through these podcasts and all the other resources I have available for you, we'll start to work on um, post-warrant card to ensure that your career is not just successful, but it's fulfilling. One of the things I worked out during my career is success without fulfillment is an empty career. There's so many people out there who are successful, but they're not happy. It's because what they're doing isn't fulfilling. So what we need to do is ensure that what we do and how we do it is not just um, leading to success, but it's leading to your personal fulfillment. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong at all with having that sense of personal fulfillment and pride in what you do. So folks, that's what these podcasts are all about. Um, we're going to go into some more practical elements and some of the subsequent podcasts. But first of all, I just wanted to get you fired up for success. Make being a police officer your absolute mission.
And when people tell you, aren't you being a bit obsessive, take that as feedback that you're on absolutely the right path. Because if you're getting that kind of feedback, then you are doing exactly what's needed. The successful candidates I have at my seminars and the ones I coach in one-to-one coaching sessions, uh, these are the people who, when they tell me that their friends or loved ones are running a mile whenever they approach them because they know they're going to want to practice role plays or they're going to want to practice a full interview with them, these are the people who I just know are going to be successful. And 99.9% of the time, they are because they've got the mindset, they've got the vision, they're obsessive, this is their mission. And they, they do something on a daily basis that's going to enable them to succeed. This is what we've got to do, folks. And I suppose one of the comments, uh, final comments I'll make for this particular uh, podcast is um, you could find out these things by happy accident. You could. You could discover these things on your own. But what I'm going to help you do is I'm going to guide you through the process. As um, Sergeant Ben Forbes said, uh, he was one of my clients from about seven years ago. I'll tell you another story about uh, Ben Forbes. Actually, if you just Google him, just Google Ben Forbes. Um, He's a sergeant in Essex. He's amazing. What a role model. We're going to look at role models as well, the importance of role models. But one of the kind things he said Uh, just recently when I congratulated him on achieving the British Citizenship Award, uh, which was a medal. He went to the House of Lords to receive that medal. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I just congratulated him, and he came back and said, "Um, you were the one that helped open the doors for me. Well, during these podcasts, I'm going to help open the doors for you. And who knows, you could be the next Sergeant Ben Forbes receiving your British, British Citizenship Medal. Um, or even if you don't achieve that, you're just going to achieve all the way through your career. It's going to be amazingly fulfilling. Stick with these podcasts, folks. Go and check out the Facebook groups. They are just amazing places full of amazing, amazing people who are so, so supportive. They give up their time and their energy to help support others. And it will they'll get repaid for it because for a lot of them, um, I'm investing my time and my effort into ensuring that their careers are the most amazing ones ever. Um, a lot of them are serving police officers, and we also have people in those Facebook groups who are from Force HR teams. Uh, so they're always there to help support you should you have any questions about their force. So you'll find some links to all of that in the text attached to this podcast. And the next set of episodes, we're going to start looking at breaking down each stage of the recruitment process to help guide you through the confusion that exists from having 43 different ways of joining the police. And that's just in England and Wales. So I hope you enjoyed this, folks. Uh, Look forward to you visiting my next podcast and learning something new that you can put into action. But the thing that I want you to do now is to start thinking about that vision for your future. That's the only takeaway here. I just want you to have this clear, compelling, concrete vision of what your future is going to look like on that day you receive your warrant card. Make it compelling, make it concrete, make it something that is worthy of you working towards as your mission. And I will see you very soon, folks. Bye-bye for now.